0: Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery. This week is a double feature. The
1: late night double feature, feature show.
0: We're talking about 1978's Halloween and 2007's Halloween. Anything to say before we get started on 1978's Halloween, Kelsey?
1: Only that it's one of the best horror movies of all time and that it started a generation of horror filmmaking.
0: Nice. All right, so if you haven't seen Halloween 1978 yet, go watch it now. We'll wait. Halloween night. A small American town.
1: I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil.
0: Tommy!
1: Tommy, Halloween the night he came home
0: Tommy, Tommy! So Kels Tell me what Halloween is about.
1: Halloween is about a 21 year old who is absolutely insane or evil incarnate. If you evil
0: choose, incarnate!
1: If you choose to believe that. And um, he escapes out of a mental prison. A mental prison? A mental institution Asylum. for the criminally insane. Yes. And terrorizes. The town of Haddonfield, Illinois.
0: Which does not exist. So the whole movie starts out with what we find out later is a flashback. You think it's somebody creeping on this couple. And you follow the point of view of the killer as the couple goes upstairs. And the killer finds a mask and a knife. And then the dude comes downstairs like a minute and a half later, by the way. They go upstairs to do it. And then a minute and a half later, he's coming down the stairs.
1: I'd also like to point out that when he's leaving, she says, call me tomorrow. And he says, yeah, sure.
0: This is one of the first movies that started talking about how if you're sexually promiscuous, then you gonna die. And being sexually conservative is what saves you. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But this, this gets that started. Because then the killer goes upstairs and stabs the girl in the leg. It appears well, it's very it's okay it's very psycho in that you know the the knife comes down and it looks like is it even hitting her I can't even tell it looks just like the shower scene from Psycho in that respect which is important because this movie stars Jamie Lee Curtis introducing Jamie
1: introducing, Lee introducing Jamie Lee Curtis.
0: Curtis she was on a TV show at the time but she had never done a movie before and Jamie Lee Curtis is the daughter of Janet Lee. Janet Lee being the person who died in the shower scene in Psycho. So it's a little... Casting Jamie Lee Curtis in the first place is a little homage to Psycho. I like to think the bad knife action coming down is also kind of a nod to Psycho.
1: What is the other nod to Psycho?
0: Oh, Sam Loomis. Sam Loomis is uh, Janet Lee's lover in Psycho. And he is the one who tries to track her down after she goes missing along with her sister. Sam Loomis is also the name of the Michael Myers psychiatrist, Dr. Sam Loomis.
1: Played by Donald Pleasance.
0: Donald Pleasance, you the man. He's pretty awesome. (laughs) But uh, then the killer comes downstairs out the front door as the parents drive up, and they say, Michael? Michael? And they take his mask off, and that's when we see for the first time, It's a little boy!
1: And it's a great shot. They take off the uh, the mask and they just kind of stand there staring at him. And the kid has this very withdrawn,
0: blank look.
1: look on his face. And they kind of pointed that out earlier when he was stabbing his sister. He was staring off in- into the distance. He wasn't even really paying attention to what he was doing because it's not crimes of passion. It's not crimes of like, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. It's simply... I am evil, and this is what I must do. He's
0: just fucked up in the dome piece. Yes. Yeah, and one of the things that Dr. Loomis says later on in the movie is about how he just sat there quietly waiting for the opportunity to escape, which he does. Uh, The next thing to happen is they go to pick him up to take him to trial to see if he can stay in prison indefinitely, and he escapes!
1: There are some great things that happen in this scene. First of all, we see... The nurse, I love when you when they show nurses smoking. It's so great because yeah. smoking is so terrible for you. Plus, she's doing it right inside the car, which is, you know, an odd to different time, man. the time period. And I love that she says, the only thing I don't like is their gibberish when they rave on and on.
0: <laughs> she yes. see,
1: she sounds super, what's the word, Compassionate, compassionate? yeah. <laughs> but even after that, she's shocked at the fact that Dr. Loomis doesn't want him to get out. She full-on says, you actually never want him to get out. And he says, never, ever, ever.
0: (laughs) Another thing that he says, which is really great, is is as soon as he gets away in the car, which they address later. It's like, hey, how did he learn how to drive a car? The head of the hospital says, you know, hey, where did he learn how to drive? And, And Sam Loomis says, he was doing very well last night. Maybe someone around here gave him lessons. Haddonfield is 150 miles away from here. Now, now, for God's sake, he can't drive a car. He was doing very well last night. Maybe someone around here gave him lessons. But apparently the actual theory is that uh, when he would be taken places for observation or what have you, he would just pay attention. Because he didn't talk, he didn't do anything, he just paid attention. And that's how he learned by osmosis. But so he gets away, the car's driving away, and Dr. Loomis shouts, he's gone from here, the evil is gone. He's gone from here, the evil is gone. It's It's so dramatic, it's great.
1: It's also good to note that the mask that he wears as a child is a clown mask, which right now clowns are making a big comeback. They are, yes. So that's fun. Also, they never really explain how the first six years of his life he was obviously a normal kid and then randomly he becomes evil. Not obviously,
0: we just don't know.
1: Well, we know that he, there was no sort of incident that was like this in any way. They seem totally shocked. Yeah. Even his sister thinks he's, well, he's totally six years old.
0: There's not a, not kid. enough time to exhibit. He just goes from zero to sixty right away.
1: The nurse also is angry that he refer that the the doctor refers to Michael Myers as it. She says, "It shouldn't we call him him?" And the doctor says, "If you say so."
0: Great. <laughs> man dr loomis is so awesome in this he's so great
1: also there's a close-up on as i said the woman is chain smoking in the car there's a close-up on her matches rabbit and red which might seem odd and then you find out later that that's how he puts it together that michael myers killed a man and stole his car later on he sees the rabbit and red matches in the grass
0: mm. and realizes
1: ah that was michael Plus, when he's taking the car from the nurse, why didn't he kill her? Would it have taken too long?
0: Well, he needed to get away.
1: I suppose.
0: That was more important than murder. And he wasn't really... That's the weird thing, is, is he's trying to go... He just has this draw back to his home.
1: Haddonfield.
0: Haddonfield. And that's why he steals the tombstone, and he puts it on the bed with one of the women that he kills, so, and and it also, in later Halloween movies, it's explained that with both of their children gone, the Myers family, they changed, I think this is right. I might be way wrong. They changed their name and they adopt, they changed their name to Strode and they adopt Lori, right? Because isn't she his little sister?
1: This is an important place to note, listeners, that Chris and I have watched every single ho- Halloween movie. Yeah. And we discussed the fact that most of them you you typically forget uh they all start to blend together, and I know that Chris is right in that at some point it is explained that Lori and Michael, our brother and sister, but I cannot remember how it is explained. Or
0: she's adopted by the Strodes. Something. Yeah, something like that. So they are they are brother and sister, but he still does manage to kill other people for seemingly no reason, but yes. doesn't kill the nurse when he could.
1: Also, Laurie Strode, when she first shows up on the screen, is wearing an awful outfit, but it's meant to evoke her virginity, her sweetness, her kindness, her her intelligence, but it's just an awful outfit. <laughs> Yeah. She's also a really nice babysitter to the kid that she, uh, babysits. She pretty much lets him do whatever he wants, etc. cetera. But she's also excited to see him. Now, here's the thing, everyone. I babysat in high school and I absolutely hated it. I was always exceptionally nice to the kids, but I would get out of it as often as I possibly could. And I don't understand why anyone would enjoy that job, but I'm not good with little kids. Yay, being a teacher. (laughs) I teach older kids, just for clarification. Uh Also, they show her in class. Uh, Michael's staring at her, so she's not really paying attention. But everyone in the class is studiously writing down all the notes, listening. They know exactly what she's talking about. They have really insightful things to say, as Lori shows when she gives a response to the teacher. And I'd like to point out that that never happens in class. <laughs> it must be an honor. I would class. also I would also
0: like to point out that this is a pretty early example of somebody who's sitting in a in a seat uh, by the window in a classroom and they look out the window daydreaming or what have you and they see something really weird. Uh, it becomes kind of a trope. At least after this point, I don't know if this is the first one, but it is definitely one of the early ones including in it follows where Uh, She's sitting in class, and then there's that old lady just walking across the lawn. So this is is what I think to be the beginning of a horror movie trope.
1: Yes, many tropes stem from this film, I believe. Like you said, I I don't know for sure. Maybe it came from other stuff, but this is definitely the landmark that you can look to for a lot of quote-unquote tropes that at the time were brand new.
0: Including a really important one, which is the unstoppable monster killer in a slasher movie. Yes. And obviously not the first one to do it, but it really kicked off the 80s boom of these types of movies.
1: There's some good acting in this movie, and there's some really terrible acting in this movie. One of Lori's friends just does not know how to act. And as uh, Michael Myers drives by them, she goes, hey! Speed! Kills! (laughs) Hey, jerk! Speed kills! That's just one of the many lines that she gives that are just terrible. Terrible
0: readings. But speaking of good acting, Donald Pleasence playing Sam Loomis.
1: fantastic.
0: This is a, we should probably talk about this, this is an independent movie for the most part. It was funded for around $300,000, and not much of that went to... To anyone who was doing the acting, I think Jamie Lee Curtis made some like eight grand or something like that doing this, maybe 12 or something like that. Not very much at all. Donald Pleasance did it because his daughter really liked Assault on Precinct 13, which was also made by John Carpenter and which is a fun movie. I would recommend it.
1: Never seen it.
0: Well, we have to see it sometime. In any case, He was the only like consummate professional. This was a movie made by a bunch of young people who weren't very experienced doing some guerrilla independent movie making to the point where they're filming in Pasadena in like the spring. Yes, and it needs to be Illinois in the fall.
1: Yes, it's really (laughs) bad. Uh, Everything is green. You can
0: see palm trees at certain points.
1: Yes. And at one point, like in the very beginning, she sees kids. Trick-or-treating out in daytime, daylight, bright and shiny green Illinois at Halloween. At
0: Halloween time. But so anyway, he was the professional Donald Pleasance doing this, and John Carpenter really started freaking out. He had a conversation with him one day, and he started asking him a bunch of uh, tough questions about the character. He's like, I don't like this movie. I don't like the script. I think it's awful. I don't understand what my character's motivation is. And the only reason I'm doing this is because my daughter liked your other movie. So can you please give me something? What am I doing? Why am I doing it? And John Carpenter proceeded, was like panicking, freaking out that like this amazing actor, Donald Pleasance, who's the only professional on set, is bad mouthing the movie and he's worried he might leave. But he continues to explain the movie to Donald and shows his passion for the project And apparently, so says John Carpenter, this is a thing that Donald Pleasance did back then, where he would just fuck with you to see how much you actually cared about the picture. If you didn't, he wouldn't do it. And so he got the verification he needed from whatever it was that John Carpenter said, and was apparently after that point, 100% on board, like the entire time. And he was the best, I guess, director's actor on set. He, would, he was professional the entire time, and he would give multiple takes in different ways. There's one where Michael Myers disappears at the very end of the movie, and what was in the script was effectively him being shocked, Donald Pleasence's character being shocked. And he said, well, would he really be shocked? How about this? How about I do another take for you, and you pick whichever one you'd like? And the next take he did was the, I knew it, I knew this was going to happen. And that's what ended up in the movie. And John Carpenter apparently said, so he says in a documentary in in like 2000, said that it was like a gift from Donald Pleasance that he left the decision up to John Carpenter, but gave him, oh, this is way better than what we would have done. So big ups, big props to Donald Pleasance on this. He
1: really does carry the film. He makes it very believable. He believes it. He's showing he believes it. And because of that, the audience buys into it. Which a lot of 80s slasher movies that got pushed under the rug were because it was just, you know, poorly put together, poorly acted, poorly written. But because he truly showed that he believed in this character and what was going on, you did too. And he took it seriously, which is why you then take it seriously.
0: Donald Pleasence would go on to play a part in Escape from New York, which was also directed by John Carpenter just a few years later, some three years later.
1: But back to the fact that they're in Illinois, yes. I would like to point out that, again, she sees kids trick-or-treating in the daytime, in the spring, spring, sunshiny Illinois. Um, and then she gets picked up by her friend at 6.30, still totally bright outside, still totally green. Then she gets dropped off at the house where she will be uh, babysitting, and it's 7 o'clock, and all of a sudden, it is pitch black outside.
0: Yeah.
1: It Okay.
0: Yeah, you kind of just can't focus on that stuff. <laughs> the fact that there are green leaves... Uh, On the trees, but there are dead red and brown leaves on the ground, which apparently they needed to, uh, they were artificial fake leaves that they would pick up and then throw about any scene where they were walking down the street to make it look like it was actually fall. But they had to reuse these fake leaves that they painted the multiple colors.
1: Also, at one point, they're smoking pot, her and her friend in the car, and then she pulls over because she sees her dad and her dad's a cop. And at first you might be wondering, how the hell does he not smell it? That makes no sense. But then later a cop is talking to Dr. Loomis and um, Dr. Loomis asks, you know, what's going on around this town. And he says, it's just kids playing pranks, trick-or-treating or or smoking pot. Yeah. (laughs) Like clearly they don't give a shit. Wouldn't it be nice if we lived in a world where the cops (laughs) didn't give a shit about stupid stuff like that?
0: Yeah. Especially with his daughter. He's like, ah, whatever.
1: Also, never noticed that they were listening to Don't Fear the Reaper, which... Blue
0: Blue Oyster Cult, yeah. How much
1: money did they have to spend to get that in the film?
0: At the time, who knows? I think it's probably more expensive now than it was back then. But that's that's the scene when the two of them are driving in the car and Michael Myers pulls up in the station wagon behind them. It's playing Don't Fear the Reaper.
1: And at one point, Laurie is looking out the window and she sees Michael Myers staring at her. This happens a few times. This isn't the one at the school. This is a different time. I think she's at her house getting ready to go babysit. And the camera cuts to her and then it cuts back and he's gone. And you, the audience, are supposed to be scared. But it's like, wait a minute. She never looked away. Yeah, so
0: this is a really, really cheap, again, another trope of horror movies. I hate it every time when the camera cuts away but the person doesn't stop looking and it's a real cheap way to get scares out of the audience but it doesn't make any rational sense.
1: Also, why don't they take the kids trick or treating?
0: I think that's why they point out that that kids are doing it, especially young kids are doing it during the daytime because my assumption was that the parents took them out trick or treating right after school, which actually does happen a lot, and then they went out did for that. the night. Yeah, well, people do that now, especially around, like, school areas and stuff like that. They do that. And then the parents went out for fun on Halloween and the babysitter would watch them after they had already gone trick-or-treating. What I think makes even less sense is they're carving the jack-o'-lantern the night of.
1: Well, jack-o'-lanterns do die pretty quickly. Right.
0: But what's the point if it's already pitch black and you don't, like, hey, let's watch the movie for a little bit, which one of the movies they're watching is The Thing, so that's fun.
1: On Dr. Dementia's Six Hours of Horror, which I wonder if that was a real thing back then.
0: I don't think so. I mean, especially because it sounds like a play on Dr. Demento, which is a radio host, and he played a bunch of spoof comedy songs on the radio. He was mostly responsible for discovering Weird Al Yankovic, among others.
1: Another line that proves how wonderful Donald Pleasance was he says, The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. The blackest eyes.
0: The devil's eyes. A doll's eyes.
1: Pure evil. (laughs) And that could be said so many ways, but the way that he says it just sounds like he truly believes that this person is evil. It doesn't sound ridiculous when he says it, which by most other people that would sound ridiculous.
0: It's also in Jaws, very similar line about the doll's eyes, about what a shark's eyes look like. They were almost identical.
1: Lifeless eyes. Black eyes, like a doll's eyes. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Also, she's shown reading to the kid that she's babysitting. I would have loved it if any of my kids ever would have let me read to them. That was not something any of my kids ever wanted. Kid
0: was totally into comic books, though, so good on him.
1: I wondered if those were real comics, by the way. So,
0: yes, I have an answer for you. The titles are not. The titles are totally made up. Oh. But all those comics that they, that were in that pile, Howard the Duck.
1: All of them were Howard the all Duck. All of them were Howard the I Duck I remember comics. one of them was Tarantula Man or yeah, something. Yeah,
0: and others. They're all man. Blank man, blank man, Tarantula Man. But none of them are real? None of them are real.
1: Oh my God, the girl that her friend is babysitting, I was watching her and I was like, she looks so familiar. And I turned to Chris and I asked, hey, is she the girl from... Escape to Witch Mountain, he looked her up and he said, no, she was in Watcher in the Woods. And that's a pretty easy mistake. Those are both Disney movies that have a little girl in them. And I was like, oh, you're right, you're right. She was in that. And then he kept looking it up and found out that she was not the main girl in Escape to Witch Mountain, but she was her when she was younger in yeah. Escape to Witch Mountain, which made me feel pretty good about myself.
0: Also in Real Housewives, one of those one of those TV shows. She, she's a real housewife. Oh. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Additionally, the girl who's going to meet her boyfriend Paul, who we never meet, and he never seems to wonder why his girlfriend never showed up right, to pick him up. Right. She keeps singing this song oh paul i wondered if that was a real song or if she was just making it i
0: didn't bother to look it up
1: also at one point she's like no keys because the car won't open up she has to go get keys and i totally relate to that because i sing things all the time and my students always think i'm a real weirdo for it (laughs) Um, and then when she goes back suddenly she doesn't need keys and she forgets that she had to go and get keys i guess because Michael Myers is sitting in there
0: waiting for her. Well, yeah. I, I, think, I, mean, I think that's pretty natural you forget why you went back. But I thought that was a really cool moment where the audience understands it, but the character doesn't. And they don't go to great pains to point that out to you. It's just supposed to make you feel like, oh, oh, it was locked before. That's why you went back to get the keys, you stupid idiot. He's in the car. But how did he get in the car? She had the keys. Don't know. A lot of unanswered questions here. Mm-hmm. He also kills a dog in this movie, which... Sucks. I hate it when dogs die in movies. Yeah. Who's such a good doggy.
1: Her other friend is like a ditzy blonde and she comes over to hook up with her boyfriend. And they're all excited because they think that their friend is gone, but in fact she's actually dead. And uh, he, the dude is talking about, like, first I rip your clothes off, then you rip my clothes off. And she says, don't rip my blouse, idiot. It's expensive.
0: <laughs> which was
1: pretty great. Also, the, she used the word blouse, which I think just shows a big difference in teenagers these days. Right. No one would say that word. Also,
0: Also, all the costumes... Were they belonged to the actors? You mean that
1: Laurie's first outfit was a real outfit that she wore? She
0: went to like J.C. Penny or something like that to buy her outfit. She spent like a hundred bucks or something like that on an on on clothes for the movie. Yeah.
1: Now, this was the only line by Donald Pleasance that wasn't given very well, but it was done on purpose, which, again, shows how great of an actor he is. He's trying to divert kids from going up to the Myers' house, and he yells in Oh, my God, it's voice. so good! He yells, Hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. <laughs> <laughs> hey. hey, Lonnie. Get your ass away from there. And he says it's so strange. He's disguising
0: his voice and he's supposed to sound creepy. I think that's the idea. He
1: gives a little smile. I love Oh, he was
0: so proud of himself when they (laughs) ran away. He's like, ha -ha," little little fuckers. (laughs) And then he turns around and the cop's there. Ah
1: (laughs) Also at one point when Lori is finally facing down Michael Myers, he pushes her over the side of the stairs. She'd be dead. Come on. How do you survive?
0: Well, that's why she has a limp for the rest of the movie. Yes,
1: her limp, which she then runs on.
0: No, she limps on.
1: I suppose. (laughs) Also, she's like, the keys. Oh, the keys. When she's trying to get inside of her house. Yeah. Which I think is great. They keep bringing up keys. Keys are a
0: problem. They are a real big problem. Normally it's to start a car and it doesn't actually start and that's the tension. Mm -hmm. This is just not having them in the first place, which I think is a little bit more believable.
1: Additionally, she tries to make a phone call and he's cut the power lines. And most kids these days won't understand that because nobody has a landline anymore. Except for people like my parents who never answer the landline anyway, so why do you have them? So the
0: great thing about phones is he cut, he, he didn't cut the power lines, although I'm sure he did, I think he did, but he, he cut the telephone line. And that's the thing about landlines is, assuming you don't have some great digital phone, it's just a normal phone, it, it gets its power through the cat cable that it's plugged into the wall, so it doesn't have a power plug. So even if the power went out, you can still call 911. But he cut that, too. So, too bad. Uh, we should we should take, take a moment to talk about a few things which everyone knows. Okay. But we should still talk about it. Okay. Michael Myers' mask, we should talk about first. It's very, very iconic, and it didn't begin that way. It started out as, I can't think of his name, but a famous clown. And it was supposed to harken back to... When he was a kid and he was dressed up as a clown for Halloween when he killed his sister.
1: Clowns are freaky. Right.
0: And they put it on and everyone was like kind of on edge. They're like, this is weird. It didn't suit the film that they were going to to film, but they knew that it was like, no, this is creepy. So they didn't go with that one. The other one was, and this is what everyone knows, it's a William Shatner mask with the face painted a certain kind of white. It's a little off-white, grayish white. Um, hair, the hair The hair was spray-painted brown. And the eye holes were cut out a little bit more. Uh, but that's all it is. It's just some really basic mask. And it is now the iconic Michael Myers mask. I, I like masks in slasher movies in the same way that uh, Jason doesn't get his mask until the third Friday the 13th movie. I just like the stories of how we get our iconic looks. And they're totally not iconic to start with. Like the ghost face killer. Not the rapper, but the killer in Scream. <laughs> The other thing I wanted to talk about is the soundtrack. Yes. The soundtrack was all done by John Carpenter in some, like, three or four days. He had, like, no time to work on it. Uh, He specifically played it in a 4-5 signature, which is a very unusual time signature. Uh, Apparently, he was taught piano by his father, and his father taught him that because he wanted to have, like, a diverse sense of rhythm.
1: I thought he taught him that on the bongos
0: at first. Or the, the bongos, yes, but he learned piano, but he taught him that on the bongos and uh, it's the one that goes dun 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 it's a very odd time signature so uh, because it's odd that's what gives you this general sense of unease throughout the whole entire thing in the documentary that we watched which was called what was it called unmasked halloween unmasked from 2000, they talk about how younger kids wouldn't close their eyes like you would think in a horror movie. They'd cover their ears because that's what was creeping them out is is the the, the scary music. There were also sting cues where when something scary happens, there's a, a loud noise. I tend not to like those. We've talked about this in the past. For whatever reason, Halloween gets a pass
1: because it's the original. Right movies that are this old typically are the ones that started these things. And so when when they're first done, they're done well, and they're scary, and they're good. It's once, okay, well, it's been done now. You should be trying something new. Anyway, I would also like to have a little story. I should correct
0: myself. The time signature is 5-4, four, not 4-5. Four oh, Sorry.
1: I have a little story about this. the music. My freshman year of college, this was back when you were making your own cell phone rings, if anyone remembers Oh, doing yeah,
0: that. absolutely. You'd have to program them in. You know, before you really had letters or whatever.
1: And I did that with the music from Halloween. And I remember waking up after it was like, I don't know, three o'clock in the morning or something. And, you know, I'm in a haze because I'm in college and I've probably been drinking quite a bit. And my phone's going off and the phone is under my bed, apparently. It scared the crap out of me. I woke up to it and I was just like... (gasps) What's going on? Which shows how
0: irrational you are in your sleep. Because do you think that when a killer comes, he's going to play his own theme music?
1: Yes. <laughs> but it was pretty... It's funny. It's a funny little story. I have a little anecdote. Okay. So, let's talk about the sex.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I, I mentioned we were going to talk about this a little bit later. About how a lot of a lot of people read into it. That this is kind of the start of the uh, morality play essence of a lot of horror movies of the late 70s and 80s. And it definitely appears that way, and you can absolutely read it that way. However, authorial intent would disagree with you. And of course, authorial intent is not everything, but it is important to point out that John Carpenter and the other writer and the producer, Deborah Hill, they absolutely did not intend that. John Carpenter's whole business was, oh, they were just too preoccupied. Now, he did have that her ability to stay alive. He did say part of that is probably due to her pent up sexual energy, keeps her alert and aggressive. And that is there kind of under the surface. But really, the only thing that the sex had to do with it was these people were so preoccupied with getting laid that they were going to get killed. Because they weren't paying attention to all the weird shit that was happening around them.
1: Yes, I think it's very important to know (coughs) that the original idea was not to shame teenagers for having sex. Right. Which everyone thinks is what they're saying.
0: Even in Scream, there's that speech. Not
1: that I'm advocating teenage sexual activity. You do you, you do what makes you happy.
0: I think the point is that they do other people. Yes. (laughs)
1: point is he was not trying to cast judgment on these kids, which most people think he was. Yeah.
0: And it carries on for, I mean, that's the entire impetus of Friday the 13th
1: -hmm. is that the
0: kids were too busy fucking to see that the kid was drowning. Mm -hmm. And then they're, again, too busy fucking to realize that they're all getting murdered. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely a part of that. And it's to make kids scared. Yes. You know, because teenagers are the ones that are going to go see these movies yes. when they first come out.
1: Also, uh when she is fighting Michael Myers, she whines constantly and her whines get really irritating real fast. They
0: do. They really do. Uh-oh.
1: point she says oh no oh no <laughs> and she does it so ridiculously and oh oh oh, oh almost sounds sexual can, yeah can you
0: do that again please <laughs> no,
1: it almost sounds sexual but it's supposed to be her feared her fear-induced whining and it's just yeah. so frustrating she was
0: the only one that was like a teenager at the time of the filming there, was she yeah all the rest were in their early 20s and she was like 17 or something like that. Uh, Let's talk about Jamie Lee Curtis and her acting chops. She was in a TV show, Petticoat, something or other at the time, small part there. This was her first movie, and she was she was really feeling down on herself about how well she was doing. And so she was at a friend's house or a friend was at her house or something like that. And she gets a call and the friend tells her it's John Carpenter. And she's like, oh, shit. (laughs) Here it is. He's calling to tell me that I'm fired because I'm such an awful actress. And he was really calling just to say how excited he was with her performance and all the effort that she was putting in and how happy he was and how much he was looking forward to filming the rest of the movie with her. And apparently, according to Jamie Lee Curtis, it's the only time any director has ever done that for her in her entire acting career. So that's, that's kind of a cool story. John Carpenter seemed like a really nice dude.
1: At one point, she thinks she's killed him. A couple times this happens, actually, but there's a great shot where you can see her. She's, like, calming down, thinking that he's dead, and you just see him pop up. And that guy must have had excellent abs because it was just straight. His whole body was totally straight when he did it and he just bends right at the at the ab section.
0: That is the it's that is great. the that is the Undertaker sit-up from wrestling WWE Undertaker. That's how he sits up when you think he's gonna get counted out.
1: She also puts a wire hanger right through his eye, which was kind of hard to believe because wire hangers are not exactly, they're very flimsy, which is why she's able to move it into a position that would do that. And then the fact that he's wearing a mask, I don't know, it was just kind of hard to believe. And Donald Pleasance was just far too good for this, which was what made it so great. And also you were bringing up a TV show that she was in at the time. We apparently need to watch some TV show called James at 16. Because this TV show has a bunch of people from the old movies we've been watching.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I,
1: I, every time I'm looking up these actors, they're the lesser known actors from the movies, but still, a bunch of them are in this TV show called James at Sixteen, so we need to watch it.
0: So, like all really great early films that start entire genres or subgenres, I should say. This movie was done really well on a real on a real small budget by a bunch of young people who had no idea what they were doing, just doing it because they loved it. And it turned out, I think, very, very good. So if you are interested in John Carpenter and what he does, here are a few other movies that he's responsible for. So I said before, Assault on Precinct 13 in uh, 76. This was probably his first big movie that has since been remade, by the way, just like Taking a Pelham 123, that was remade. It's it, anyway Halloween, obviously, we just watched that. The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, which was 1982, which is interesting because The Thing, an original version of it, was playing in Halloween. It was clearly one the, he yeah. liked it. He did Christine, which we can't which wait to do. Love again, Stephen King. Starman, Big Trouble in Little Star China. Starman is amazing. Yeah. So good. Big Trouble in Little China. Meh. <laughs> I know.
1: Everyone loves it but me.
0: Uh, they Live in the Mouth of Madness, which, Village...
1: we, which is on our list.
0: In the Mouth of Madness? Yes. Village of the Damned, Escape from LA, not as good. Vampires, Ghosts of Mars. And that was probably the last really, really big thing that he did. Um, He hasn't been an active director ever since then.
1: Who did Scream, then?
0: Scream is Wes Craven, who is also uh, a horror movie pioneer from the 70s and 80s.
1: All right, and so would you recommend it? Oh, you already said you would. I would also say that I would definitely recommend it. Uh, Just go into it knowing that it was the original, and therefore it might seem like there's a lot of, like we said, Clichés, but they would never have been clichés if it were not for home.
0: Yeah, so you kind of need to keep that in in mind. So, with that said, what do you think it's Rotten Tomato score is?
1: And this is based on critics?
0: This is based on the percentage of critics who had good thoughts.
1: When it first came out or now? Because I imagine that back then there was a different... People received it differently than they do now.
0: Yeah, so this is uh, all reviews at any time. Ever? Yeah. 54 critical reviews.
1: Alright then, I would have to say 88%. 93.
0: 93. So, overrated or underrated? This is a tough one. Personally, I'd probably say a little overrated.
1: Really? I would
0: give it a 90
1: I suppose I would probably give it a 92. I I guess, I guess, I get that. Because here's the thing. If I had seen this when it first came out, perhaps it would have scared me a lot more. But once you've seen other horror movies, especially of this day and age, it does, it seems extremely tame. But that's not to say that it doesn't have great creepy aspects to it. Like at one point, he stabs a guy and he keeps the guy up on the on the wall and he kind of just looks at it and tilts his head and stuff. And it's those little touches that make Michael Myers really creepy.
0: Yeah, he is an iconic movie villain called The Shape, uh, along with Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees and Pinhead and Leatherface and all of them. So. Yeah. The other movies in the franchise, though, didn't fare so well. This is actually the only movie in the entire franchise, including the remakes, here's a little hint, that is certified fresh. And that's at 93%, so there is a ginormous gap between this movie and all the other movies. The next highest rated that I can find in the franchise is Halloween H2O.
1: Which I did not like.
0: Um, which had Josh Hartnett and Michelle Williams in it. That was a 51 Halloween, yeah, I know, right?
1: Which is a, which is sad, because, like I said, we've seen all of these movies, and when I think back on them, of course I know the original. I pretty much watch the original every single year at Halloween time. I, yeah. I, I, I can't think of a Halloween when I didn't. But my point is, besides the original, when I think about the, the Halloween series, I think about number three, not because it is good, because it is absolutely awful, And it doesn't even fall in line with my Myers. Season of the Witch, love it. No,
0: it's a bunch of ironically.
1: But then after that, I think it's four and five that have her little sister.
0: Five and six, I think.
1: Oh, okay, five and six. Whatever, whichever ones have the little girl in them.
0: Speaking of six, those
1: ones are actually pretty dang good.
0: The Curse of Michael Myers is appears to be the lowest rated Halloween at six percent
1: that's a huge bummer because one of them i don't know which one it is one of them has a sequence where michael is running after this little girl and i can't remember why but they're in some sort of tunnel or something and it's creepy it is really like tense and you are worried about this little girl and you can feel michael myers coming after her and it's really scary. It's very tense. It's very creepy. And you really want her to escape. And any movie that can get me to feel that way, for me to, like, really empathize with the, with the character, especially in a horror movie, that's pretty impressive.
0: So, that said, moving on to... Uh, I gave you a little bit of hint about how that movie was received. 2007's Halloween Uh, Directed by Rob Zombie, who has done some good stuff, some awful stuff. and What
1: has he done that's good, babe?
0: I really liked, not House of a Thousand Corpses, but the sequel.
1: I've never seen House of a Thousand Corpses. I tried to watch the sequel. I had to turn it off because I hate torture porn.
0: It's a little bit of torture porn, but it's not like...
1: That's all you get in the first 20 minutes, and I know because that's all I watched.
0: <laughs> this movie does also have, uh, like I said before, Scout Taylor Compton, somebody who I've acted with in the past, Malcolm McDowell. It has a big role. I believe he plays the Sam Loomis character. So, <laughs> full disclosure, we actually tried to watch this movie before in the past, and we just turned it off. We didn't like it so much that we just turned it off. And we don't do that all the time. We actually very it's rarely do rare. that. So we're actually going to force ourselves to sit through this. So I think Malcolm McDowell is a Sam Loomis character and Tyler Main as Michael Myers. Now, Tyler Main is, um, he was in X-Men, Sabretooth.
1: I mostly just remember him looking like a lion.
0: Yes. <laughs> With the big hair. And yeah, he was a not good Sabretooth, but, uh, you know, whatever. He was, uh, he, he's a big dude. And so he's going to play Michael Myers in this next one. So, Right about now, if you must, go ahead and pause and watch Halloween from 2007. yourself
1: with us. Or,
0: or, if you don't feel like doing that, you know, just stick around and we'll talk about it and you won't ever have to see it.
1: Yep. You know us, we'll give you all the spoilers and details, (laughs) so you don't need to see it if you really don't want to.
0: Inside every one of us,
1: there exists a dark side. Most people rise above it. But some are consumed by it
0: until there is nothing left but pure evil. Behind these eyes, one finds only darkness. These are the eyes of a psychopath. Rob Zombie unleashes an extreme vision of terror and reinvents a legend. Ah!
1: Halloween.
0: So, Halloween 2007. Now, Kelsey, this is normally the part where I ask you what the movie was about, but we already know what the movie was about because we saw the original, and this movie basically follows the same plot. Except it spends a lot more time on the story of Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. So, instead of just breaking down the plot, I've broken my comments down into categories. Giving you a little glimpse of what those categories are. So, before we get too deep into the movie, let's start with Rob Zombie. In a category I call Rob Zombie Astro Creep. Yeah, So creep. The very, very first note I wrote down when this movie started was Rob Zombie loves his white trash.
1: Yes, he does.
0: Oh my God, he loves white trash. Yeah. It's his favorite thing in the world. And almost every one of his movies, or at least his mainstream movies, which, I mean, really is House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, Halloween 1, and Halloween 2 are kind of like his, his four biggest movies, all centering around white trash. Mm-hmm. Specifically the story of, in this case, the story of Michael Myers and his upbringing. Uh, Sherry Moon Zombie is the mom. Sherry Moon Zombie is Rob Zombie's wife. And he puts her in everything. She dies in this movie, so... Off screen at that. So, who knows? Maybe not in Halloween 2? We will probably never know! Because I don't think we're ever going to see the second Halloween remake movie. Apparently... He wanted a tall actress to play Michael's mother, which would explain why he grew so tall. So that's why he chose Sherry Moon Zombie. Oh, that's why? That's why. Ah. Uh Uh-huh. Not because... She's
1: his wife? She's
0: his wife and he puts her in absolutely everything. Yeah. Speaking of casting, actually, uh, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit. And as a little bit of a teaser, he actually originally wanted Sherry Moon Zombie to be one of the friends
1: She's a little old.
0: Yeah, it feels very Kevin Smith where he made his wife in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back one of the sexy ladies.
1: And she was also in Clerks too. She was the woman that he was going to get married to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it, it it what's the term? There's a term for that when you uh
1: What Tim Burton does with all of his movies? Yes. When you just use your friends and loved ones in all your films?
0: It is called nepotism.
1: Kind of like what the Seth Rogen movies all do. But at least the Seth Rogen characters are all great, so who cares? Yeah,
0: and the Adam Sandler movies where they're just excuses to go on vacations. So, sorry, but off to a bad start, Rob Zombie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you have anything to say about Sherry Moon Zombie in this movie?
1: She was way too pretty to be married to that crippled asshole
0: so the way i understand it because uh, they kind of drop the fact that he is their stepdad
1: they do say that
0: he is their stepdad and he is Lori's dad I think is the understanding. But he's Michael and Michael's older sister's uh, stepdad. So she was married to somebody else and that person died. And I guess she's fallen on hard times. She's a stripper and she gets teased for that.
1: She's way too pretty to be a stripper. She's way too pretty to be married to that asshole. It makes no sense.
0: And while we were watching the movie, you said that she's way way too pretty to be married to Rob Zombie. Yes. I had commented on Rob Zombie... A diminutive man. He's a lot smaller than you think he is. <laughs> he's actually kind of handsome, but he always wears everything like very grungy. He always has this big beard, and he's wearing long that cowboy hair, hat. Just and like
1: Michael Myers, just has like long my, yeah, hair. loves
0: that long greasy hair. Mm-hmm. So this plays into a lot of the Rob Zombie tropes. Uh, the first one we talked about is white trash. The second one we talked about is putting Sherry Moon Zombie, his wife, in the movie. The third one is the violence and filth. There is a lot of violence and filth. Something to be said is that in the original, and we're not getting into the comparisons to the original just yet, but in the original, they did intentionally stay away from gore. You can count the times that you see blood, like, on one hand. It's intentionally not gory. It's supposed to be creepy. Not, like, violence, shocking, ah! But this has a lot of violence and filth. Now, it doesn't bother me that there's a lot of violence and filth. It's just crazy cliche especially when it comes to rob zombie
1: i did write down in my notes that it i was like i remember why i hated this it reeks of zombie i mean all of his movies feel exactly the same and this felt a lot like that but it felt like he had to be tamer because he wanted to do due diligence for the original film but he still had to incorporate all his bullshit and it just didn't work for me
0: yeah Yeah, me neither. So my my actual note was, the violence and filth doesn't bother me, it's just cliche. Zombie isn't a bad director, he just makes boring choices. Like, if you watch the movie, his direction is not bad. Like, I I see a lot, it sucks to say this, I see a lot of potential in Rob Zombie as a director. He's just so buried in this persona that he doesn't do anything unique or cool with it. We did talk about The fact that he's directed other things, including a a comedy special for Tom Papa. Uh, So he doesn't only do these sorts of movies, but he predominantly does these sorts of movies. And I'd like to see him do, like, a... Just like a a hardcore drama. You know what I mean?
1: Just to see what he could do. Just to see
0: what he could do. And adding on to the violence and filth, of course, there's a scene where a dude is shitting and reading porn at the same time. And then they talk about the fact that he's shitting a bunch...
1: Hey, buddy, just give you a heads up. I got a Taco Deluxe Supreme talking back at me, so I'm going to be a while. So do you mind waiting somewhere else and let me pass this beast in
0: peace? That's actually Ken Forey, who's from, uh, he plays the black guy in Dawn of the Dead, the the trucker who is in the bathroom stall. There's, and we'll, we'll get to this, I'm sure, there are a lot of cameos in this movie. At one point I wrote, it's just too many to write down all of them.
1: I didn't notice the cameos, but I did notice all of the homages. There are a lot to horror films, which I appreciated. I thought that was interesting to incorporate that. But what I found distracting about it was you're playing homages to all these great horror movies, and yet you learned nothing from them. Right,
0: right, right. The problem is, is that Rob Zombie thinks that he's edgy, and he just needs to get away from that. Just get away from that.
1: I should mention that the only thing I know for a fact that I have seen that he has done is Devil's Rejects. And I've already said how much I hate torture porn.
0: I like Devil's Rejects. And that's all... When I watched it.
1: I watched it for the first 20 minutes I had to turn it off. I was like, well, this just isn't for me. I don't enjoy torture porn at all. And what I know about Thou- House of a Thousand Corpses, that looks just gross and something I don't want to watch either. So...
0: It's just a prequel to I mean, Rob Zombie has
1: made two movies that I have turned off. Halloween and Devil's Rejects. And we'll get to
0: the point where we turned off the original and we'll be sure to mention it to you. I think it's important. (laughs) And the last thing I have under Rob Zombie Astro Creep is that everyone's a fucking jerk. Every character is a jerk.
1: Except for the mom.
0: Even the mom's kind of a jerk. When? She doesn't like her boyfriend or her new husband or whatever. He doesn't bring in any cash. And she's still with him, even though he's awful to her kids. Yeah,
1: it made no sense. And there's no
0: indication that she's under any real threat of abuse or anything like that. She's definitely a victim of verbal abuse. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Maybe before he broke his leg or his arm or whatever it was that was broken yeah they it was his never arm. yeah they
1: never explain why he's crippled that's never brought into it it's just
0: supposed to explain why he's not at his job and he's a deadbeat and he's a low life and she's putting her kids through that which really sucks but she obviously doesn't even like him but they don't go to lengths to explain that oh no she's trapped in some way which makes me think that she's and she's kind of a jerk to him which he deserves but every character is a jerk even laurie strode is a jerk. Yeah,
1: Lori is not the wholesome, sweet virgin that we knew in the original. She is a virgin, but as we said before, for the That's original... not the
0: point, really. Right, I mean, yeah. but
1: also that she has all this pent-up sexual frustration, which Zombie decided, hey, I'm going to bring that to the foreground... In a really bizarre scene with the bagel, with the bagel, and her mom, like she's simulating
0: sex with the bagel just to freak her mom out. It's like, why are you being such a dick? And she put
1: them on her breasts, and I was just like, what is happening here? No,
0: because it's because Rob Zombie is edgy.
1: Guess what, mom? Mr. Nichols touched me the wrong way. Okay, that is so not funny. Screwdriver, mommy, you want a hammer? There's a thing called subtlety. Which Zombie does not have.
0: We should also note now that we're talking about Laurie just very briefly this is I think going to segue us into the next section unless you have anything to say about Rob Zombie left. No. Rob Zombie do something different. I want to see you do something I want you to be an amazing director but you're just so mired in your own cliches that it can't Shine through. Ha
1: <laughs> admired.
0: Um, ah. <laughs> the uh, The grown-up version of Laurie Strode does not appear as a protagonist until 52 minutes into the movie. We watched the unrated version of the movie, and that was like two hours long. And almost halfway through, she So maybe
1: that's why something happened in the film that I did not remember. And I know it happened before we turned it off.
0: Okay. Well, we can get to that.
1: Okay. Um, Because I I was like, I do not remember this at all. And I'm pretty sure I would have turned it off right after that happened.
0: The next category of notes I have is the original is always better. Always. No, see, personally, this is where Kelsey and I disagree. (laughs) She gives a lot of weight to the original whenever there's a remake, to the book whenever it's adapted, that kind of stuff. I have a completely open mind, but this is not one of those times. The original (laughs) is so much better. So now's the time where we're going to talk about, uh, this is probably going to be a large portion of this episode, comparisons to the original. The film was mostly shot in Pasadena, California, South Pasadena, South Pass. And that's where the original was shot.
1: Interesting. As
0: kind of an homage.
1: I noticed the fake leaves, too. Yeah, He definitely did that on purpose, which I thought was cute. Like I said, he makes great homages, Just he just didn't learn anything from those movies. Right.
0: When Laurie notices that Michael's watching her uh, at the library, he's standing in front of Laurie's house from the original film.
1: That was a scene where I was I was confused because in the original she's doing it she's seeing him in class so it makes sense that she wouldn't be talking to anyone but at this point in this version she's just sitting there with her friends right so why on earth wouldn't she have been like look at that guy staring at us right (laughs) because
0: she keeps going back to him and he keeps standing there wearing a mask and and uh, all of that. Laurie's house is actually on the same street as the one that the young girl characters walk down in the original when they're all walking down the street together and he dri- Michael Myers drives past them in the station wagon. This, I think, epitomizes the differences between the two movies and Rob Zombie's lack of subtlety. Don't Fear the Reaper plays in this movie twice. Twice. It was in the original movie once, and you had to gather that, oh, you know, they're just listening to the radio. It was diegetic sound, which means it's sound that's happening in the context of the movie. It's not a soundtrack. And Michael and, Myers is driving behind them, and you gather, oh, don't fear the Reaper. He's the Reaper. They're going to be scared of him. And right, I you know put I, that together.
1: I just said this in the last one. I've seen the original Halloween every Halloween since I was, like, seven or something, I've never noticed that they were listening to the Don't Fear the Reaper until this time.
0: Right, it's much more subtle. It's
1: very, very subtle. And then in this movie, when when he played it the first time, I was like, oh, that's sweet. It's when
0: Michael is in the sister's room.
1: And she's listening to it on her headphones. Right,
0: so that's kind of diegetic. But All right, the cool. second
1: time, I was like, seriously, zombie? Again, this is, subtlety. This
0: is also diegetic. Like, so, okay, I know I've used that term a bunch now, but in both cases, it's kind of not... Diagetic, it's like not subtle at all. The two lovers, you know, the one who actually does in the original, there's the friends, and one friend actually sleeps with the boyfriend with her boyfriend. The other one, we never see her boyfriend, but she's trying to get laid by that guy. So the one who actually does sleep with her boyfriend, she just turns the radio on to "Don't Fear the Reaper" for no fucking reason. <laughs> it's it, and it's we didn't need it. It was already played originally, and I think he means like chronologically enough time passed between when. The first time it happened, which was, you know, 15 years in the past, and then this time. But no, I'm sorry, it didn't. It wasn't good enough. It was really, really heavy-handed.
1: Speaking of heavy-handed and music, he did the same thing with John Carpenter's original theme. He plays it in parts where it's unnecessary and it feels awkward, and he plays it much too loudly. Right. In the original film, S-subtle it had again. a build-up. Uh, but, but in this one, it just, as soon as she's walking down the street, really loud. And for no reason, she's just walking down the street. It felt very, like you said, heavy-handed.
0: Speaking of that scene where the lovers are in his old house, that's where they are. They just snuck into the haunted house to fuck. Like,
1: well, they made it sound like it was something that a lot of teenagers did. Right.
0: But this is where we get the the reenactment of killing the lovers. And he stabs the dude into the wall. Yes. Just like in the original. He does the head tilt, which is way far away. You see it from at the bottom of the stairs and he's at the top of the stairs. So like you can't even and it's from the side. So you can't even see him really do the head tilt.
1: But didn't you see him do the head tilt the first time?
0: I did not. They had
1: him do it. Twice. Now, let me go through my notes and figure out where he did it the first time, because I, I was, the first time I was like, oh, cool, but he does it twice. Oh, he does it inside the mental hospital when he's escaping. I think it's when he kills one of the guards.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: He tilts his head, and I was like, oh, cute. And then he did it again, just in case you missed it the first time. And then he did it again when he stabbed the guy and stuck him into the wall. And again, zombie. Do you know what subtlety is? Do you understand that when you do homages like that, you should only do them once? Otherwise, it gets overplayed and overdone.
0: This is also four years after Kill Bill. And they do the the orderly, breaks in a buddy of his to rape... Uh, patient there it was the rape that's the one that was not in the original release it is in the unrated only one Mm -hmm. and it features malachi (laughs) from children of the corn
1: (laughs) i didn't realize that was malachi how funny but yeah the the rape scene it just felt so like well i'm rob zombie and it's not a rob zombie movie unless there's a grotesque rape scene in here so let me just add this in for no reason
0: So comparisons to the original still. So I talked earlier about how he originally wanted Sherry Moon Zombie to play Linda. He also wanted Danielle Harris to play Lori originally.
1: Who's Danielle Harris?
0: Danielle Harris ended up playing Annie, the one who survives in this movie, who doesn't survive in the original.
1: Oh, the one that's with Paul.
0: Yeah, who we never see. The one whose father is the cop. And Danielle Harris is Jamie Lloyd in Halloween four and Halloween five. She's his little cousin.
1: Really? Yes. Oh now I wanna see her again because
0: Well, you get to see her topless.
1: I loved her and covered as the with little blood girl. and
0: she survives for no reason other than I think just to be an homage, just to honor her. Her legacy in the Halloween movies. There's no reason she needs to survive. Yeah, she in this.
1: gets into the car with her boyfriend. and She drives off, and that's pretty much the last time you see her. I think.
0: No, she's the one that gets attacked. Her boyfriend gets killed. Okay, yeah. Sorry, we do see her boyfriend. Her boyfriend gets killed and has the pumpkin put on his head, and she gets attacked. And she's her oh, top she's is ripped off. Oh, she's laying on the
1: ground. Yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah. yeah and and her that. dad
0: comes home and and uh, and and revives her, and then you just don't see the dad anymore after that. Like. Anymore after that, which is another kind of shitty thing that Brad durath who is Chucky in the Child's Play series, and he's also Grimma Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings, he and plays the sheriff in, in this.
1: Uh, One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yes,
0: he's also uh, the young kid in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He gets like short shrift in this entire thing. He doesn't believe Sam Loomis and then he has an immediate epiphany. And then he totally believes him. And then they come across the body of his of his daughter and then becomes, gone for yeah. the rest of the movie. He just ghosts the movie, which is kind of a bummer. The kids don't outwardly like each other in this one. The little kids that they're babysitting. I really liked that about the first one, about how the girl was like, yeah, we're going over to Tommy's. Like, <laughs> it was so cool. In this, no, they're too cool for school. They can't show that they like each other. But I will mention this again later. I really like the kids in this. (laughs) I thought the kids did a really good job, much better than the original. This is another movie uh, homage reference, and it's a comparison to the original, so I'll put it in here. The movie that the kids are watching in uh, the original is The Thing from Another World, which John Carpenter eventually remade as The Thing. We mentioned that in the last segment. And one of the movies that they're watching in this, in addition to The Thing from Another World, which is seen at one point, is... White Zombie from 1932.
1: Oh, really. Which
0: Rob Zombie named his band after? Yeah.
1: At one point, I'm pretty sure the I'm pretty sure the stepdad is watching Dracula too. Maybe. Yeah. I I noted that down, so.
0: Why is Laurie limping? At one point in the movie, when she first tries to get away and she gets out of the house, she's limping. She smashes the window with the chair. And then the next scene we see, and she and she runs out the window. She's on the ground floor. The next scene we see her, and she's limping across the lawn. Uh, it's a continuity issue. It's obviously a reference to her limping in the original movie.
1: Because she fell down the but stairs she, when she should have died. She
0: fell off the landing and straight down to the, to the floor beneath her. And she a, should have died. Not necessarily. People can survive that. <laughs> but she's at least limping. And now in this one, she's limping for no fucking reason. So that was kind of a weird... It was an homage, but it, it didn't fit, which was really weird. Also, she just shoots him in the fucking face at the end. She has the revolver, and she's firing, and it doesn't go off, and it doesn't go off, and it doesn't go off, and then it goes off, and she just shoots him in the fucking face. In the original, he gets up, and he disappears, and we don't know what happened to him, which paves the way for the sequel the very next day, when or later on that same night, even where he's chasing her around the hospital. This, I don't know how they're going to explain how they get a Halloween 2 when she shoots him in the fucking head.
1: Because he can't be killed. I mean, that's the point of Michael Myers. He can't be killed. He's evil. But they kind of stayed away from that this time because they gave us so much introduction to him and they basically made it very much that he's just a psychopath.
0: I will get to that. We'll get to the comparisons between the two Michaels and what's different about this Michael.
1: Do you want us to go over all of the homages that I saw? I have one more. Okay.
0: And that is that this movie spends a lot of time with Michael Myers in the insane asylum, the mental asylum under the care of Sam Loomis.
1: Played by Malcolm McDowell. Played
0: by Malcolm McDowell, doing a very Malcolm McDowell-y job.
1: It was a. It was really sad. I uh, When I first saw Clockwork Orange... Obviously not the character, but Malcolm McDowell, I thought he was very attractive, and now he's so old, and it's so sad. Oh, he got
0: <laughs> old and no longer <laughs> ageist. So anyway, when John Carpenter had to cut down the original movie a little bit for uh, for television broadcasts, he needed to cut out like some of the scenes, the nudity and all of that, it was too short, and so they needed to add time to it. So while they were filming Halloween Two, and they had Donald Pleasance playing Sam Loomis... They filmed some mental asylum footage, which I have never seen, honestly. I I would like to go back and see that. But it's not in the actual movie, and this focuses on that way more as kind of a nod to the extra footage that was filmed for the original movie. But way more and way too much, Hmm. which we'll get into in our next segment. But first, comparisons, homages... Um, we'll do some of the, some of the crazy stuff that doesn't have to do with the original in a lightning round at the end.
1: Oh, so you don't want me to go through all the homages? Unless they're
0: the homages text. to the original.
1: No. Okay. homages okay. to, well, there were a couple to the original that you did not bring up, such as her friend, even though she was a total bitch. Like in the original, she was just kind of ditzy, and in this one, she's just, complete bitch i like she talks about how like she was a shit person to her teacher and i'm sitting there like of course like fuck all you kids but (laughs) other than that um at one point she says totally totally when they're walking just like she did in the original
0: okay oh and the the girl screams out about how her dad's the sheriff Mm -hmm. when the when michael myers is following them
1: hey my daddy's the sheriff huh why don't you go crawl back under your fucking rock that
0: happens in the original
1: he has him dress up in the clown costume in the beginning. Yeah. I guess you couldn't say that's an homage, I suppose.
0: Yeah, that's oh, a plot so element. In so. the
1: original, Sam Loomis says that he has the devil's eyes. And in this new version, Sam Loomis has written a book called The Devil's Eyes, and it's mm. all about him. But it just makes Sam Loomis sound like an asshole. Right, like and he's everyone just making money off yeah. of this tragedy that happened.
0: So in the original movie they didn't make great they didn't make any connections to Lori being related to him that doesn't come in until the second movie so his family his parents that survived you just never see them again after the intro sequence this movie goes to great pains to express that Lori is in fact his little sister the one that he spared that night when he was a kid and he murdered everybody in the house but that also means that something needs to happen to the mom to get her out of this this is a little continuity error here which is to say in the mental asylum he attacks the nurse who's kind of a dick to him and the mom is there for that then it cuts to 15 years later and it's like what a day or two before halloween or it's the day of halloween Well, or not whatever.
1: right after that because we see the mom crying and watching the videos and she has the gun in her hand we don't see her actually kill herself but that happens before. oh really
0: i just missed that completely that I happens
1: didn't... before they cut to 15 years later yeah
0: Oh, okay, but so in any case, that's still fine. So she's alive, and then it cuts to fifteen years later, and at one point, Brad Dorif says she killed herself seventeen years but ago. But they
1: made it very clear that she was going to kill herself. That's why she's got the gun in her hand. Right,
0: I understand.
1: Oh, you're, I'm, about the I'm talking year about thing.
0: the year thing. They say seventeen years at it for no reason, which is kind of weird. Anything else references to the original?
1: I don't think so.
0: All right, so my next segment is called. Sympathy for the Devil, and this is the changes to the Michael Myers character, and importantly, the time he spends in the mental asylum. In the intro, he talks, and I literally wrote, he fucking talks, gross. (laughs) But he did kill Elvis, so you do know Elvis is rat, so you do know that he's really sick and twisted right from the get-go. But then, oh, he's bullied. Oh, oh, he's bullied. So he's justified when he loses exactly. his mind. They, they turned
1: him into a psychopath who is acting out because of his behavior. I mean, because of the way that people treat him and his upbringing. The
0: thing is, is that evil doesn't need an excuse. And that's what makes Michael Myers so scary in the original, is that there's no reason why he wants to kill everyone. He's just evil. This gives you so much backstory that you're drowning in it, and I mean, aside from the fact that he's violent, you start to actually kind of care for him, and you want to see him recuperate. And see? then, and then they tear that down. But the fact that it's there, it's more that he's disappointing, and less that he's frightening.
1: Yes, exactly. Which
0: is which is a, which is uh, shitty. And then because everyone in a Rob Zombie movie is an asshole, yeah. up to a certain point everyone he kills he goes after he goes for is an asshole.
1: See, Chris and I disagree here because he killed his rats. Right. He killed I'm talking humans. that he I'm talking I understand, humans. but what I'm saying is that Later on when he starts to kill people that he likes, it doesn't really change anything because he had already killed his pets. He
0: kills his asshole sister, he kills her, his asshole sister's asshole boyfriend, his sister he wasn't kills even his that asshole stepdad, bitch. he kills his asshole bully, he kills the the nurse which was an asshole oh, to him. Oh, he
1: felt so great when he killed that bully. Right, but you're not
0: supposed to. <laughs> the only reason you should want to see a murder is because you're here for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't want to see the victims murdered. Like if I don't like, you, especially in a Halloween movie where Michael Myers is the shape. He's the boogeyman. You're supposed to be scared of him. You should neither A, sympathize for him, or B, root for him.
1: That was another homage. Um, at one point, Sam Loomis describes him as a shape of a human being.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that. John Carpenter's original intent with the character of Michael Myers was that you should never be able to relate to him. That's why he gives him that very simple backstory, does not explain why he does what he does, and then he is just straight up evil. Rob Zombie, when he was doing the remake, contacted John Carpenter just to let him know he didn't have to, but he did. Props for that. And John Carpenter said, make it your own. I wish he hadn't said that because (laughs) everything Rob Zombie about this movie is garbage. Yep. Yeah. So Michael just waiting his whole life in the asylum in the original was creepy.
1: Well, it didn't make any damn sense because what we end up seeing is, of course, he kills all the girls and blah, 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 blah their boyfriends and blah, blah, blah. But when he finally gets to his sister, and this was something that I was also very confused about I'm in the very beginning there. of the film. Okay.
0: About what he does with Laurie? Yeah. Yes, I'm going to get to there. But anyway, Michael waits his whole life in the asylum and he doesn't say a word. from the In the entire movie, he doesn't say a single word. And when he gets held captive, he just knows he's planning. Loomis says this at one point. He was just silent, waiting for his opportunity to to escape. In this, there's all this stuff of him talking and him having a backstory. And it basically just highlights the failure of the psychological care that he's receiving (laughs) repeatedly over and over again by the fact that the masks like, even when he's an adult, they still let him keep the masks. Oh, I felt and, the
1: same And way.
0: how does he make the masks? With what materials? Yeah. Does he get scissors? Does he get the string to tie the mask to his head? He He's homicidal, and he might very well be suicidal. He talks about how he, he doesn't like himself like you do not give him things to hurt himself or others with and they do constantly they give him metal forks which which he uses to kill the nurse
1: yeah when you see when you see the masks i was just like this makes no sense Why would they let him do that, especially since Sam Loomis described the masks as being a way for him to hide from the world, hide from himself? Which is what
0: they're trying to get him to do, is to come to terms with that. Yeah, so So
1: why would they let him do it? I get
0: why they would maybe let him, you know, fall into this. Maybe it's his way of coping, it's his way of therapy. But at a certain point, it becomes exceedingly obvious that it's only damaging his therapy, and they don't stop it. They let it continue, which is... Really, really dumb. And I'm not a psychiatrist, but I would be really pissed off if they somebody did this with my kid. I would have told them, no, stop that. Uh, but the whole time at the facility, to me, is completely unnecessary.
1: And And also, when he's killing the people at the beginning, when he kills his sister, his stepdad, his bully, his sister's boyfriend. When he makes all those murders... They're making it very clear that he is enjoying the murders, which also pissed me off because the original Mike Myers, he didn't do it for fun. That's what they were making clear. He when felt he,
0: compelled to, like he, he just, was possessed. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: just the evil inside of him coming out. Right. At the, In the beginning of the original, when he's stabbing the girl, I mentioned this in the first segment, he just kind of looks off to the side because it's not interesting to him. It's not fun for him. He's not enjoying it. It's just what he does. And when you make him enjoy it, it make it, again turns him into a psychopath which is what they're trying to show him as being but that just plain doesn't make sense when you look at who he kills and why he kills them
0: speaking of who he kills and why he kills them he saves his baby sister who we find out later is lori
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, if you're paying attention you should know that already
1: it's pretty clear
0: and he saves his mom sorry i shouldn't say saves spares and he says happy halloween to his little sister Mm -hmm. Uh, and he doesn't kill his mom when she shows up So we know that he doesn't kill people he cares for, and I guess in an effort to show us, to do two things, number one, to show us how bad he's gotten, and number two, to break us away from our sympathy for him, but the fact that we felt it in the first place, like I said earlier, it just makes him a disappointment and not a frightening specter. He kills Danny Trejo. And I have written down here when it happened, Danny Trejo is a fucking treasure and his death in this movie is a crime. (laughs) And he retires in three months because why not? Of course he
1: does. (laughs) Uh,
0: We saw him spare his mother and his little sister and Danny Trejo is obviously also very kind and fatherly to him or sibling-like to him. And then he kills him when he absolutely doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. And ladies and gentlemen this is the moment where we turned off the original movie. Mm -hmm. We're like, no, this is dumb. I don't... This is not... This is just, like, I'm torturing myself by watching this. (laughs) It's not entertaining. It's not thrilling.
1: And it only got worse this time as we
0: watched the rest of it. (laughs) So, originally, Danny Trejo's death scene was cut from the movie. Should have been. The print that they were working with.
1: Should have stayed cut. The
0: studio heads complained about it, probably like we did. But... Rob Zombie lobbied to them, saying it was important to show how brutal and uncompassionate the character truly is. But if that's the case, why do you justify every murder he's had up to this point? And why do you have him protecting people he cares about? Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's not brutal. You're changing it in almost an hour into the movie, like 45 minutes into the movie. You're you're changing it. Zombie won. He was allowed to keep the scene in. It It's a Travis. It's probably the worst element of the entire movie and it makes me angry (laughs) angry enough to turn off the movie which is not something we normally do Mm -hmm. anything else to say about Michael Myers in the segment I Call Sympathy for the Devil.
1: I talked about how I thought the kid who played him was pretty bad. Yeah. He was a cute kid, even though he was a fat kid. He was a cute kid. Jesus,
0: you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, he was attractive and then he got old. He was cute, but he was fat.
1: But he was a cute kid, but he wasn't a great actor. Parts where he's screaming, I noticed that a lot of those parts he was wearing a mask. Yeah. Probably because he couldn't really show that emotion in his face. Because every time he wasn't wearing a mask, I couldn't see any emotion.
0: Why does the boyfriend have the mask? In the past, the boyfriend is the one who introduces the Michael Myers mask. It is only scary in the context of the film. If you had never seen the movie and you saw that mask, it would not be scary. Mm-hmm. Why would he have that mask? And it doesn't make sense. I wrote that, what, does he come back for it? Like, how does he have it back then? And then he sees it again. And of course, he does come back for the mask.
1: And it makes zero sense. How did he get it under the floorboards? When
0: did he put it under the floorboards?
1: Yeah, how did he do it? When did he do it? How did no one ever find it? I mean didn't you he also takes out the murder weapon when they've wanted to find the murder weapon it, it's so bizarre right
0: how did he get th- he had to smash up the floorboards to get to it to
1: put them back down?
0: S- well no to, to get them out yeah so so how did he put them down there That's in the what first I'm place right yeah it's it's really, really dumb. How did he even know how to get to that house to get the mask which yeah. doesn't make any sense? He looks ridiculous when he's wearing the mask in the flashback because he has this giant head on this tiny little yes, body. Yes,
1: I wrote that down. As a child, the mask looks ridiculous. How could he have seen through the eye holes? It was too big for him. And he
0: takes, so he forces him to take off the mask, which requires him to take off the mask far too often. <laughs> you see Michael Myers in the original without the mask two times. One, when they reveal the fact that this killer was a little kid in the flashback. And two, after she stabs him in the eye and she's trying to, like, blind him.
1: I think she takes the mask off.
0: Right, Right, right. She's, like, struggling with it and he can't see through it. And then it comes all the way off and you see his face. And then he puts the mask back on. He, in this movie, takes the mask off. Way too much.
1: And also, as an adult, of course, like we said, Rob Zombie hair. Yeah. He's got to have this long, greasy hair all on his eyes, right? And we never, ever see him push it out of his eyes. So when he puts the damn mask on, how the fuck is he seeing anything? Yeah.
0: Question. He goes to the house to get the mask. And I asked, I wrote down, like, how did he know how to get back home from there? Right? Like, how would he know? Uh, But...
1: You could make the same question though in the original as well.
0: Right, totally. But now that it's explicit that he's going after her because she's his sister, how does he know she's his sister? Did she look up her fucking adoption records or something? At no point does he ha- get any information that lets him know that she- except for she's one of the multiple people he sees go to the house. Mhm. Is it like a pull is it some sort of spiritual connection he has with her? And how does he know how to chase her down? Like, it's it's this plot hole that's, that's a little bit ridiculous.
1: Oh, another homage that we didn't talk about to the original film. Yes. Um, when the, the girl, like I said, she was originally ditzy and then she became a bitch. And she's the one that said totally. She said the same ba- thing about her shirt. She said, don't rip my blouse. It's expensive. <laughs>
0: so See cool. anything you like. That's also that in there. Too. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And the, the boyfriend was coming in with a sheet over his head and glasses. Yes. So in the original, it was just Michael who did it. Right. And in this but one, he was going to do it. It gives it. him
0: a reason to actually yes. do it, which I guess is a good thing, which takes us into my next segment. Actually good? No, it's not. Spoiler alert, it's not. But I did write two things down that I really liked. One, which I mentioned earlier, is that I actually really like the kids that they're babysitting. They were really cute. I like that the guy, that the kid had a lot of anxiety about the boogeyman, and then the girl totally verified it. She's like, "Oh no, I heard about this."
1: But he was way too old. They were way too old to be acting the way they were acting. Right,
0: right. The second thing that I kind of like, and this is, I think, what you were gonna bring up earlier, is that he is not after her to kill her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they say that repeatedly. I think the fact that he knows he's her sister and this again unfortunately also shows a flaw with the movie mm-hmm. they they've already been oh he saves the sister or he spares the sister and then he ends up killing everybody so you know exactly how brutal he is and then he goes back to saving the sister wait a minute i thought there was a change
1: what was he waiting for what was like like you said like he was just waiting for a moment to escape to go he out and kill people
0: right but he wanted to be with his sister again why because he cared about his sister. You've never just wanted to sit and cuddle with somebody, and that's kind of what he does. He finally makes it to her, and when you think he's about to kill her, he just kneels down and kind of rests with her. Like, he, he just wanted to get back to her, and he wanted to do that for, by any means. And then he finally gets to her. He doesn't give a shit what happens next. He's nuts. But all he knows is that he wants to get to her and be with her, and I kind of like that. But then again, this is more sympathy stuff, which is also kind of bullshit. So I wish they would have gone full on one way or the other. But.
1: And then she tries to kill him and that's when he decides he wants to kill her. He still
0: kind of doesn't. He still has to summon up his anger against her. Like when she's on top of him and she's like pulling the trigger, he kind of struggles, but not a whole lot. Like he doesn't really fight it. He kind of accepts it when he when she finally does shoot him. So, like I said, I kind of want him to go one way or the other but i wish if this was if they were going to go the sympathy route it just would have been a completely different movie
1: that that what you just said makes no sense because they spend a fuck ton of time with him chasing after her it goes on and right. on and i had said in the last segment that one of the things that i loved about the the series the original series the the two movies that have the little girl in them one of them has a long shot where she's running through a tunnel to get away from Michael. And I talked about how much I loved that. The first time in this version, when Michael runs after his after Lori, I was like, oh, it's an homage to that one. That's so cool. Like, I love it. And then it just kept going. And then they had a second sequence right. where Michael ran after But her.
0: at no point during the entire chase does he ever attack her ever
1: okay so i have to admit listeners i pretty much checked out the second time <laughs> that he was running after her because i was so bored i was so bored i was so disinterested it did nothing and her screaming i mean i that was also in my opinion maybe an homage to remember we talked right, about she'd how like, she like she's having lot. an orgasm <laughs> but it just went on
0: and right. on. It's unnecessarily two hours. I think maybe if we saw the rated version, it might have been condensed a little bit more. And we We might not have gotten that. But he's just chasing after her, and she's the one that's running. He never attacks her, and I think he proves the fact that he's not trying to hurt her or kill her. He just wants to get to her so he can be with her. He doesn't know what he wants after that. But again, sympathy, which I wish they would have just made a completely different movie and just called it Sympathy for the Devil, mm-hmm. and then... Or they had gone the route and made it more faithful to the original. But then, I mean, why make it at that (laughs) point? So, like, it's the worst of both worlds, as far as I'm concerned. But those were elements that I actually really liked about the movie. Is there anything you liked about the movie?
1: Anything I liked.
0: You said you kind of liked the kids.
1: Ah, they were fine. I liked the homages that I still haven't talked about.
0: Right. And so we're going to get get into, (laughs) now we're going to get into our lightning round. These are going to be quick one-off comments that we're not really going to talk that much about. This is where we'll get our homages. Right.
1: I'm sorry, listeners. I know I have a tendency to talk on and on. I'll try (laughs) to go fast.
0: This is where um, we'll get the homages in. This is where we'll get some of the cameos that I noticed that if I have any left, I know there were many... Of those, so why don't you go ahead and we'll sw- swap off.
1: First of all, the scene, uh, and this has to do with what I'm going to say, so I'm skipping. I'm skipping really late into the movie, and then I'm going to skip back to the beginning. Lightning round doesn't matter. Okay, so we don't understand why the the stepdad is crippled, but we are supposed to understand that that is why Michael is able to strap him down later on in yes. the film. However. I've never met a single person who you could strap down as much as he does with duct tape, and the man doesn't wake up. Right. That's bizarre. That's and then, bad. in the very beginning of the film, he says to his wife, I will skull fuck the
0: shit out of you. Again, trying to be really edgy. It was
1: bizarre. I was like, who says that?
0: Teenagers. Teenagers say that. Uh-huh. This quote from Dr. Samuel Loomis. The darkest souls are not those which choose to exist within the hell of the abyss, but those which choose to break free from the abyss and move silently among us. That's a quote, I assume, from The Eyes of the Devil or whatever it is. The the Devil's Eyes, the book that he has, it's what starts the movie off, and the quote makes no fucking sense, and it has nothing to do with the movie. He does not move silently among us. He makes a lot of fucking noise.
1: I liked how they showed us the time period via a lot of music. So, in the beginning, they play um, Wanna Be With You Night and Day by Eric Clapton. Michael is wearing a Kiss shirt. Uh, there's other things, too, that show you. Like, they play um, Rush at one point. Like, I liked that they were showing you time periods through music. So, that was that's something I liked.
0: I'm sorry. You find a dead cat in his bag and tons of dead animal photos. You don't get fucking defensive when they suggest he see a psychiatrist.
1: Well, she didn't after she saw the photos, but she was no, she totally was still... okay with her son having a dead cat in his backpack. She, uh, Let's right. Let's just mention that But fact. even
0: still, she was like, psychiatrist, what do you I'm sorry, your kid needs a psychiatrist.
1: At one point, we see her uh, doing a strip dance to Love Hurts. Who, who would enjoy that? Why Singing about how much love hurts and you're watching a woman dancing? It just seemed very strange to me.
0: Yeah, it's one of the sad stripper songs. Um Old Halloween costumes did, in fact, just have a mask of what you were supposed to be, in this case a clown, and then an outfit, like a shirt and some pants, that were just color-themed, and then literally said on the chest of the shirt what it was you were supposed to be and that's what he was wearing in the beginning where it had like the picture of the clown on there really really dumb but those actually existed
1: i thought it was really funny that above her bed the sister has a picture that says learn from your parents mistakes use birth control that made me laugh
0: this is a rare appearance of clint howard in a non-ron howard movie
1: so one of the homages i was talking about one of the masks in fact Two of the masks were homages to other things. One looked a lot like Leatherface,
0: Uh
1: and one looked a whole hell of a lot like, if you've seen The Exorcist 3, there's a scene in it that every single list of, like, oh, the scariest moments is on when this guy comes out with a hood, and he uh, comes out and kills a lady, a nurse with, like, giant shears. Mm-hmm. The kid, not Michael Myers, but the kid that Lori babysits has his makeup done like that. Oh, right,
0: yeah. Don't ruin Tom Sawyer, I have written down here.
1: They <laughs> play Rushes
0: Tom Sawyer, and it's like, no, why did you need to play that? He is mad that trusts in the tameness of a wolf. He is mad that trusts in the tameness. That is something that Sam Loomis says. It's a quote from King Lear because he's British. Of course, he's memorized Shakespeare.
1: I wanted to ask you what this line was from. Um, uh-huh. The black guy that he kills in the bathroom when he's looking at porn while he's pooping. He, he says, what we got here is a failure to communicate. What we got here is
0: failure to communicate.
1: So apparently that was said in Cool Hand Luke, which I've never seen. So that's very interesting. But it's that, a very
0: famous line.
1: Yeah, I guess. What we have here is a failure to communicate. Actually,
0: the line is what we have here is failure to communicate, but they mess it up. Oh. Um, sorry, the the subtitles mess it up. The subtitles say a failure to communicate. But in this movie and in Cool Hand Luke, it's just failure to communicate. Sid Haig, who plays Captain Spaulding in House of a Thousand Corpses and the Devil's Rejects, that's the clown character, uh-huh. uh, he's the cemetery groundskeeper. Chester Chesterfield!
1: And that guy was way too upset when he found out that the grave was missing. <laughs> God damn son of a bitch!
0: Watch, fucking kids! Jesus Christ! Don't they think I have anything better to do with my time than clean up this shit, fucking little idiots? God
1: damn it. Um, in the original, he was just like, why do kids do this? And he was just like freaking out about it. Also, when we saw that Michael had left a dead cat crucified on the, on the fucking grave. And I was like, okay, back to the dead cats, I guess. Why would he crucify it? Also, why were all of her, Lori's friends, smart? They're all sitting there studying and they're talking about doing well in school. I'm like, okay. She's
0: supposed to be the smart one.
1: But they were studying yeah. with her, whereas in the original, they were all making fun of her for studying. Right.
0: The man who sells Sam Loomis' gun is Mickey Dolan's from the Monkees. Uh, however, I looked it up. Illinois has a 72 hour waiting period to buy a firearm.
1: There's also a title card that says trick or treat, which I thought was totally unnecessary and strange. Right before they, right before he starts haunting the, the girls.
0: The pumpkin ends up on the dude's head, uh, Annie's boyfriend's head, when he's hanging from the ceiling right in front of the stairs. But she took that to Tommy's house when she walked the little girl over there. So what the fuck was it doing on the boyfriend's head back at her house? Just a little continuity error, which is supposed to be a reference to the original... Um, Pumpkin from the original movie.
1: Another homage that we didn't talk about was to um, one of the Nightmare movies. He takes a TV and smashes a guy's head in with it. It reminded me a lot of Welcome to Primetime Bitch, which is one of uh, Freddy's all-time best lines.
0: From Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream
1: Warriors. (laughs) Such a good movie. Also... I love that he had a beer this time, because in the original, she's like, did you get me a beer? Where's my beer? And he actually had one this time, (laughs) and he gave it to her,
0: which was great. That was kind of cute, yeah. Um, How did the cops know to show up at Tommy's house? She never tells them or anything. At least I don't remember that. They just show up, and the cops are really dumb. How did that cop only get off one shot? (laughs) He fires at him. He's like, "Ah, stop right there! He just saw him kill his partner. Fucking shoot him! I'm sorry, I am... 100% against police brutality and police shooting when they absolutely don't need to, but he just killed your partner. Fucking murder him. Like, and he got off one shot. He allowed Michael Myers to cross all the way down the hall and attack him with only getting one shot off, getting him in the shoulder. Really, really dumb bad cop.
1: Also, why are there glass doors inside a house? At one point, he has to break a glass door that she's behind, and she's like, "I think she's in the kitchen." I've never seen glass doors. Doors that inside. don't go to to
0: rooms that go to like kitchens or bathrooms sometimes are are, are, are ornate like that. Yeah. Well, whatever.
1: Also, at one point. Michael gets shot and he totally reacts way too late. <laughs> the shot goes off. It totally hits him. And then it's like a second or two goes. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. what's happening with this editing? If
0: you thought that Lori should die because she fell over the over the banister on the on the second floor landing down onto the first floor, then how about this Lori falling directly into the deep end of an empty swimming pool?
1: I wrote that down. I said, no, she's dead. That makes <laughs> it, again. She just keeps getting through it.
0: Shortly after that, Sam Loomis dies. He dies. Yeah, in this did they movie. not
1: want to make any more sequels? I don't understand. Right. And he is
0: one of the best parts about the original, and they but just Malcolm kill him off in didn't this one. Do
1: this city justice,
0: I'm right? Sorry. But it was fine. I would have liked to see him in the second movie, uh, but they had barely any time to show the relationship between Loomis and Laurie, and he's dead. And then she's like devastated when he dies. She's, like, touching his face. Like, she loves him or something like that. She de- she has no idea who this fucker is. And they, like, I think were supposed to care, but why would she care?
1: <laughs> Basically, that's what I had to say. At the end, it said, in memory of Mustafa Akkad. I'm sad. He had
0: died prior oh, to this movie coming out, yeah. That's
1: too bad. Yeah,
0: he was the Halloween guy. He's the one who produced all the Halloween movies up to this point.
1: In that, uh, in the... <laughs> In the documentary that we watched about the making of the first one, he's pretty funny. He basically says, I don't get why people like it, but I'm glad that they like it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, Kelsey. Hmm. Rotten Tomatoes. What do you guess?
1: Oh, God. I hope it's at 40 or less.
0: 25.
1: Thank goodness.
0: Overrated or underrated?
1: I'm right on board.
0: <laughs> All right. Now, I don't think that every one of our double features is going to be quite so negative. <laughs> Maybe with Kelsey, because again, she the original is always better. But I'm sorry, this one is so negative. Uh, our next double feature is... It, God, it might be negative shit. Friday the 13th is coming up in October this month. And so...
1: I you've ever seen the new Friday the 13th and if we have I don't remember it at I all. think we
0: have but I, it can't be any good uh, <laughs> interestingly uh, scout Taylor Compton who played Lori in this also tried out to play the main female character in that movie and lost it to somebody who tried out to play Lori in this oh, and lost funny. it to her so they kind of like traded off
1: but you're making it sound like that's what we're watching next and it's it's not, not what we're
0: watching next it's just that it's it's gonna be our next double feature, yes. so and it might be just as negative. But that's not the point of the double features. <laughs> I promise you, it's just some of these movies that came out in the mid aughts were just like let's remake fucking everything. Oh yeah,
1: when we do Fry- when we do um, Night on Elm F- Street, oh, yeah, on Elm Street, yeah, it's gonna be really negative.
0: But hey, when we do Evil Dead,
1: it's actually not. Yeah. I actually mm-hmm. kind of liked the new one. Not nearly as good as the original, but it's actually not that bad.
0: So what is it? that we're going to watch next
1: we are going to watch the witches the
0: witches
1: so excited Classic that children's movie
0: horror movie terrified me as a uh-huh. child
1: and then we're going to watch the conjuring which i'm a huge fan of
0: which is kind of about witches
1: it is about witches. yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah all right um so this is the third episode in our kind of introductory trilogy once i finish editing all these episodes they're going to go up all at once for our launch uh, so you have a few episodes to actually listen to. We recorded all of these and probably the next one before that will happen. So if and it will
1: be bi-weekly, if you are so inclined yes. to keep listening.
0: So if you have any recommendations, we can't have heard them yet, and we probably won't hear them for, an, for another few episodes, I want to solicit these recommendations now. Segments you think would be a good idea, changes you want to see, compliments, critiques, send them our way. Comment on the episodes in iTunes or whatever else you use to listen to the podcast. You can email us at podcemetery at gmail.com. That's P-O-D-S-E-M-A-T-A-R-Y, the same way that Pet Cemetery is spelled, the Stephen King book and subsequent movie, uh, in our first episode. You can tweet us at at podcemetery, spelled the same way. Rate the podcast on iTunes. and Most importantly, subscribe. Because subscribers are currency in this world. We
1: are going to start writing on Twitter a lot. Yes. So
0: My name is Chris.
1: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this has been Pod Cemetery. And as we say at the end of every episode of Pod Cemetery...
1: Get help for your kid if they're killing animals. do
0: be in a cemetery. To the a dream. I, can't uh, I talked earlier Bark, bark, bark Bark, bark, bark